Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. Berto Will is your host. Thank you so kind of being part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. We have a very special guest as well that we'll play at the halfway mark. If we, uh, we don't have any other videos to show you other than that interview, but of course, you know, I love talking to you, seeing what you have to enter, and we want a few other things. Actually, I do have another video that I want to show you, but it's not mine. It's actually from Sean King, something that Sean King found. So we are going to go ahead and discuss that as well. Anyhow, anyhow, estuve haciendo algo. I can't remember what it's doing, but anyhow, let's go ahead and get busy. What is the show going to be about today? Here we go on the screen. Show today. Planned Parenthood Texas Votes Executive Director is going to be with us. Police and Bias Proof presented by Sean King. Then, of course, the vote's in. And you know what we want to do? We want to vaccinate the world. It only makes sense. It only makes sense because communicable diseases, borders, they do not know. Communicable diseases, borders, they do not know. Welcome aboard, Michael Rudnan, citing $9 trillion cost of vaccine inequity. UN chief calls for global wealth tax on pandemic profiteers. Advancing an equitable global response and recovery from the pandemic is putting multilateralism to the test. So far, it is a test we have failed. I think that vaccine production will continue well past the point where doses will exceed all of the citizens of the countries making the vaccines. At that point, they will be shared freely throughout the world. ETA, three months. If we are to prevent new variants, if we are to prevent new variants, what we need to... Re- uh, let's see, I, I missed that. If we are to prevent new variants from spreading back to those wealthy nations, vaccinating the world will be a priority. Also, the hoarding of wealth has been severely uneven throughout this K-shaped recovery. Look, I want... I want... To talk about this a bit. In fact, it's one of the subjects that I'm discussing today. So I'm going to leave it and put it aside. Michael Runyon will take it a little bit a little after. Michael Runyon also says, I want to reiterate that the last point, billionaires made $3.9 trillion during the pandemic, enough to pay for everyone's vaccine. COVID-19 has cost global workers $3.7 trillion. Uh, we have uh, Julie Van Ostel says, Egberto, Bridge MCP, all another very long night. In the Twin Cities, Minnesota, can't even imagine that will happen if Chauvin is acquitted. Uh, yeah, it, I, it, it'll be crazy. I don't think he gets acquitted this time around, but you never know. I don't think it's going to happen. By the way, uh, Julie, I did con- contact uh, the reporter you were talking to me about. She responded, uh, and I'm still waiting for a second response. I don't know uh, if we'll get her or not. That is going to be up to her if she wants to uh, kind of put out here. Bridge MCP, while some people mistaken racism as being only overt prejudice, there is another crucial component that affects our decisions and actions towards others. Implicit bias. Beautiful, beautiful Bridge MCP. And you see, that is what I've gone through my life. It is implicit bias and it is worse. It is Implicit bias is worse and also uh, what we call uh, systemic 
and I, you know, I'm 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 going to start creating a chain on on Amazon with some stories that I went through in the different businesses that I've had and so forth because it isn't something that they that's overt. It is just something that is there that actually hurts. I, I when I say hurt, I'm not talking pain. I'm talking really hurts progress. An implicit bias is any prejudice that has formed unintentionally and without our direct knowledge, and it can often contradict our explicit beliefs and behaviors. That's how a lot of liberals are. They know, they, they, they want to do things a certain way, but because of conditioning, well, that is what happens. Usually it reflects a mixture of personal experience, attitudes around us as we have grown up and our wider exposure to society and culture, including the books we read, television we watch, the news we follow, and how news is actually placed out there. Bridge, very good point. Very good point. Very good point. Deborah John, welcome aboard. E2247, and it's a blockbuster statement establishing Trump campaign collusion with Russian intelligence services in 2016. We saw that. We saw that. Okay, let me see. Who else is here? All right, folks, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and play our interview first, and then we'll get into all the other stuff because I want to make sure to give uh, Diana uh, Limon Mercado her due because this is a very important topic she is talking about. So let's just go ahead and get busy. Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Today we have a very, very special guest. Today with us, uh, we have the Executive Director of Planned Parenthood Votes, Diana Limon Mercado. Diana, how are you doing today? Welcome to Politics Done Right. How are you doing? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm like everybody else, still working from home, uh, vaccinated though, and looking forward, hopefully, to things returning to safe and healthy soonish. Well, according to uh, Biden, President Biden, it will be back in July 4th. Things will be a lot better. I got my second vaccine as well. Did you get your second vaccine? If you, assuming I, you, I did. Congratulations to you. Yes. Yes. Now, I can tell you one thing. The second one really got to me, but I thought I was a macho man. I wasn't so macho after that <laughs> second one at all. I was I was doing okay. Me and my husband were both fine. And then I was able to help um, get uh, all of my family vaccinated as well, got their first and second doses. So we are, you know, one day at a time trying to get the rest of our neighborhoods and extended family vaccinated too, but things are definitely looking more promising. That is great, Miss, Miss, Miss Hero Woman that didn't have second consequences like everybody else. That's why you're the <laughs> leader of this group. Anyhow, why don't you tell me a little bit about Planned Parenthood Texas Votes? What exactly is it? Yeah, Planned Parenthood Texas Votes is the nonpartisan advocacy policy and political arm of Planned Parenthood of Texas. We believe that healthcare cannot just be available, but that it must be accessible. Uh, we are a distinct separate 501c4 organization for those, those people who know about legal statuses. And we work to advance the ability of Planned Parenthood to provide healthcare in our state by forging a social and political climate where healthcare is not just available, but is truly accessible. And we build parity to represent that majority view that abortion rights should be protected. Um, and we do that through our advocacy work, leadership development, training programs, electoral campaigns, grassroots and community organizing, and everything we do really centers the voices, stories, and experiences of Planned Parenthood patients, young people, people of color, and those who are most impacted um, by these laws and who need access to reproductive health care and who are also the future of Texas. Wow, you're very, you, you know that down pack, I guess uh, you're, you're, you're the leader of it. You know exactly what you're doing. Actually, again, serious real here. It, that is such a, a necessity here 
in Texas. What exactly is the relationship between your organization and Planned Parenthood? How are you connected? How do you work together? And the reason I'm asking that is many a times uh, those people that are against Planned Parenthood would try to create these types of fissures that, uh, that obs- obfuscate the, line, the lines between them. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so Planned Parenthood Texas Votes, um, like I said, is the advocacy and political arm. Planned Parenthood Texas Votes does not provide any health care. I am not um, a doctor or a nurse. Nobody on our staff is. But we work on behalf to represent our three Planned Parenthood affiliates in Texas who do, in particular, Planned Parenthood Gulf Coast, which serves Houston, the southeast region of Texas, and Louisiana. Planned Parenthood Greater Texas, which serves Central Texas, North Texas, West Texas, all the way through the Panhandle and El Paso, and Planned Parenthood South Texas, which serves San Antonio all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. So there are three distinct Planned Parenthood affiliates who do actually provide health care in Texas. Together, they operate 40 health centers, serve over 100,000 patients a year, and then we at Planned Parenthood Texas Votes represent them in the legislature and then do additional community organizing and leadership um, development programs that really uplift our legislative advocacy work and work towards our long-term vision of having a social and political climate that advances reproductive health care that includes having the full favor and support of both local and state government. Now, I understand that uh, your your group is over a million a million large. Explain that to me because, uh, you know, when, when you have that sort of reach, that gives you power and that gives you presence, especially out there at that legislature. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, I think many people know Planned Parenthood, right, to be a very recognizable brand across the country. Planned Parenthood has provided health care across the country for over 100 years, and Planned Parenthood has been providing health care in Texas for almost 90 years. One in five women will rely on Planned Parenthood in their lifetime. So when you've been around that long and have provided that much health care to that many people, um, are a constant source of trusted, reliable, quality, affordable health care, um, people believe right in your brand and what your brand represents to them, which is trust, accuracy, um, confidentiality, non-judgmental quality care. And so um, that translates into our advocacy and political work as well with people knowing that Planned Parenthood um, has a mission um, and a brand and a voice that they can believe in. And so, you know, over the course of our work, we have built up a base of 1 million supporters strong who have taken support, um, taken action in support of Planned Parenthood. And that happens in all sorts of ways, which I'm sure you or many of your listeners have done, whether that is uh, block walking, um, making phone calls, um, joining community groups, becoming a volunteer for, you know, any of the other ways that we work in advocacy work, or doing things like signing petitions, um, you know, and contacting your legislators on behalf of the organization. So we definitely have a very large active base base who is very connected to our mission. Before we get into legi issues, um, you, you have a big job. You have to somehow go against uh, or, or, or fight against the much of what put, people put out uh, on Planned Parenthood as if it's an organization that is, uh, that is not worth having. It's an organization that doesn't do the things that it does, as it's, it's only an abortion organization. Tell me exactly uh, how do you work on changing the narrative to make sure that yours is more powerful than those people who are pretty much misinforming the audience at large? Yeah, I think for us, we are really focused on uplifting the real life experiences of everyday Texans, right? You can't deny um, that regular people are in need of healthcare, continue to access healthcare through Planned Parenthood, um, and that having access to healthcare is life-changing and life-saving. 
Um, and so for us, it is truly about just uplifting the voices of patients who rely on Planned Parenthood and Texans who need access to reproductive health care. The truth can't be denied as much as you know, other our opposition and other sides try to um, use misinformation campaigns um, and you know work against us. But at the end of the day, Planned Parenthood is providing health care in Texas to hundreds of thousands of people um, and across the country. And those are real experiences that other people can relate to. Whether or not they have directly accessed healthcare through Planned Parenthood, um, know a friend or a family member or have supported a friend or family member in accessing healthcare or in accessing abortion. Um, you know, it's easy to, I think, for opposition to think, um, to distance themselves from this because they themselves have not experienced it or think that they don't know somebody who has experienced it. But the truth is, again, one in five women will um, rely on Planned Parenthood in their lifetime. One in four women um, will have an abortion in their lifetime. And nine out of 10 women will use birth control in their lifetime. So these are very real issues that resonate across all communities, all socioeconomic backgrounds, all demographics. And we're just here to tell those stories, to tell the truth, um, and to make sure that people know that they can rely on Planned Parenthood for healthcare and that we're doing everything we can um, through our advocacy to tell that story. In my humble opinion, uh, healthcare, I mean, for, first of all, I, I don't believe men have any place to, in, in, in this particular battle. And, and second, which it seems like they're the ones who are always battling in it. Uh, but secondly, I, I also find it ironic that for a state that refuses to accept the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act, uh, an institution as powerful and as effective as Planned Parenthood, that they have a problem uh, funding it or making sure it's funded and have nothing to replace it with its, its features with. Anyhow, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about what's going on in the Texas legislature, because you have a big fight on your hands to make sure that the people you care for, the people you're taking care of, are really taken care of. So tell me a little bit about those major bills that you're actually making sure that we have to ensure they're not passed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I first just want to say, you know, a lot of the care that we talk about, we talk about women's health care and women's well women exams. And to your point right now, when we think about, you know, sort of the historical fight around reproductive health care, it has been obviously very centered around women who are the majority of Planned Parenthood patients and in need of this specific kind of care. But Planned Parenthood does provide care to all people of all genders, gender identities, sexual orientation. Um, men's services are um, a growing part of the patient base of Planned Parenthood, as well as providing um, trans care for trans patients, including gender affirming hormone therapy, among the many other great services Planned Parenthood provides, which also includes fertility assistance, um, vasectomies, uh, primary care on top of, you know, birth control, STI mm. testing and treatment, um, and abortion, which many other people know about already. So um, it is definitely a big, diverse base of patients and their lifestyles um, and their needs that we're seeking to represent. And while I'm specifically talking about bills that are attacking abortion access today, um, right, there's a whole history of bills that have attacked family planning care, access to preventive care, cut Planned Parenthood out of family planning and preventive care programs like the breast and cervical cancer screening, and the same, at the same time, the same people attacking reproductive health and rights are the same people attacking trans uh, kids, um, trans patients, LGBTQ rights, right? At the end of the day, there are some fundamental 
um, fundamentally shared opposition here of people who want to control other people's bodily autonomy um, and sexual autonomy. And so for us, all of the work we do is rooted in really that foundation and understanding the intersection of these issues and that Planned Parenthood patients leave um, multi-issue lives. This is not the only issue affecting your life, but um, in particular, there are a number of abortion bills that are moving fast through legislature right now. There are so many, oh my gosh. We had over 45 um, bills further restricting abortion access in Texas filed. As many of your followers probably know, abortion is already uh, in Texas is already incredibly restricted. It is one of the safest medical procedures in America and is at the same time the most restricted medical procedure in Texas. And then Texas has some of the most restrictive laws in the country. So on top of that, there were 45 more bills filed, six of which are moving particularly quick one that would ban abortion um, before many people even know they're pregnant, one, uh, a six-week ban on abortion. That, for, yeah. yeah. So for people who have regular menstrual cycles, you think about that happening in a four-week period. So just two weeks after a missed period, abortion could already be outlawed. On top of the other barriers the state has already put in place. So the state already requires 24-hour waiting period. The state already requires a mandatory sonogram. Um, the state has already um, right diminished access so that like you can't just call a clinic and get an appointment the same day or even you know sometimes in the same you know week in the same seven days. So the amount of time it takes to confirm a pregnancy for a patient to consider their options, make a decision, call and schedule appointment, and comply with all of the other state requirements is already beyond six weeks for most patients. Um, there are also some other bills that would put into place what's called a trigger ban, which is to say if the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade or Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which are really um, the foundations of, mm -hmm. access, of precedent that we rely on for access to abortion, that Texas would automatically, within 30 days, ban abortion access altogether. And then there's some other bills that um, really get in to the weeds of um, patient care and access, some that require additional counseling on top of all the state-mandated counseling that already takes place and the 24-hour waiting period. Um, bills that get into banning abortion based on people's particular reason. So the state government trying to say, if you're having an abortion for this reason, that's not okay, which people have uh, choose abortions for a complex variety of reasons and those decisions should be personal and private, right? Any healthcare you're making, decision you're making should be personal and private. Um, and the government should be, shouldn't be intervening in those decisions. And then other bills that, um, you know, restrict access on certain type of procedures and um, even, you know, ones that attack specifically the city of Austin, which has been particularly supportive of abortion access and trying to provide support where the state has cut women off. Um, particularly the city of Austin provides additional funding for things like transportation, lodging, and childcare for people accessing abortion. So the city of Austin does not actually provide um, funding to cover abortion, but they provide access funding for all of the supports the person needs to access abortion. And so the state is also attacking that as well. So those are just a couple. There's a whole bunch more, but those are the ones that are being fast-tracked at the moment. They've already passed the Senate um, and they're currently in the House. Now, one silly question. How many of those bills were proposed by women? <laughs> um, I think one of them was, um, and that was the one, the last one that I was just mentioning uh, on the practical support for abortion access. So covering childcare for a person having an abortion. Again, in Texas, because there are so many restrictions in place, 
abortion um, access is a multi-visit, multi-day process. There's mm -hmm. a 24-hour waiting period. Uh, that already includes state-mandated information. So you have to get that on day one, plus your mandatory sonogram the state requires, and then day two. What uh, many people, or doesn't come across, I think, in the opposition's argument is that truthfully, two out of three women who choose abortion are already parents and have already had a child. So for them, they may be living paycheck to paycheck. They are in a job that doesn't provide paid time off. They don't have health insurance um, and they do have children and families to take care of. And so being able to take off multiple days of work because um, you know 90%, I think it's around 90% of the state's um, counties don't have abortion clinics in them. So many people are having to travel Long multiple distances. days who already have children so this bill, you know, this bill would cut off them from even having financial assistance to cover childcare where they're trying to access critical healthcare for themselves or, you know, covering a tank of gas for somebody who has to travel, you know, 300 miles to get the healthcare they need. So um, that one in particular is authored by a woman, unfortunately, it has a companion authored in the Senate um, by a woman. The legislature overall is men, and we know that you know women are 52% of the electorate, and it would be lovely to see the state legislature represent the true electorate of Texas. And maybe we're looking at one of our next Congress people right now on the other side of the screen. Let me tell you something. Let, let, let me tell you something. Uh, you, you, I don't want to get on my soapbox. This is your. I want to hear what you have to say, but it's 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 completely depressing that so many cannot understand that this is an economic issue. And it's a biased economic issue because it's it only really affects women in the aggregate. It's 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 just on it's unbearable that that uh, that folks don't see that. Now your fight within the legislature so far has been very defensive, uh, and and I don't know how you're going to answer this question. But when the hell are we going to get on the offensive? In other words, uh, what am I trying to say here? Uh, this is tantamount, the attack on women through these types of legislations, in my opinion, and I'm a man talking, you can tell me to shut up if necessary, but it is tantamount to uh, disempowering women. It is tantamount to putting a chain on women. And in my humble opinion, why aren't we... I don't want to say marketing, but why aren't we putting these issues out in that fashion to show that it is having a boot on the neck of women? Men putting the boot on the neck of women. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, women know, right? Being able to have control of your, over your reproductive health and your reproductive journey and your reproductive life um, is the key factor in being able to choose um, your professional goals, yes. your educational goals, right? For women, the number one reason they either don't complete high school or higher education is because of an unplanned pregnancy, yes. right? And when you're not able to complete your education or pursue, um, right, your professional, um, you know, opportunities, then you're not ever able to lift you and yourself, right. your family out of poverty or living paycheck to paycheck. Um, absolutely, you know, that it is, all of these but, issues are connected. Economic issues are connected to reproductive um, health rights and justice issues. Um, unfortunately, the opposition uh, does not care about that, right? No, like, Miss <laughs> Limon Mercado, let me let me let me let me kind of centralize my 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 question a bit more. I find I, I find 
when we had the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act debate, we never used language like the Texas, the Republican-run Texas legislature. Partisan, I understand that. I understand that. But this is me talking. You've never said the Texas legislature is affecting murder on the Texas people. Because if, you, if, if the consequences of what you do causes the death of people, then you are knowingly causing harm to others. You're no, knowingly killing people. Putting the same type of narrative on your issues is apropos. Why isn't it done? For us, um, you know, we are, we have supporters like you who are with us no matter what. You and I understand how extreme and far reaching uh, these bills and restrictions are and how they deeply impact uh, people's lives and entire communities in these very real and severe ways. Um, right, the opposition has a whole other counter argument about that. And for us, for changing the future of Texas, changing the narrative, shifting the culture, building the Texas we want to see, right, it's really about appealing to and educating and engaging the people in the middle, right? Which a third of the people are with us, a third of the people on the other side, and we got a third of the people in the middle. Um, a third of the people in the middle, they don't necessarily see it as clearly as you've just described it. Mm -hmm. um, and so our work really um, tries to give them an entry point into the fight for justice in the bigger sense that you just explained how everything is connected. And so for us, it's about bringing sort of those people in who are in that middle third, giving them education, engagement, awareness, and opportunities to experience what you just laid out for themselves, right? People have to put it into very real terms, right, right. what their life has been like and what their community and what their family is experiencing. So um, we just think it's, you know, for our strategy, and there are many groups that have different strategies, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they're all working together. But for us, it is really about, you know, thinking about the future of Texas, winning the hearts and mind of, um, you know, the people who are in the middle and giving them the education and engagement that, the, that they need to chart that path and to establish those informed opinions that you just laid out for themselves. Because we think it's, it's more effective to let somebody experience it than to tell them, um, this is what's happening, right? We bring them in and we give them an opportunity to see it for themselves and to help um, bring some awareness to themselves and to those around them. Excellent. Ms. Limon Mercado, what would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't ask you? Oh my gosh. Well, these are already so many good questions. I really appreciate your support um, and time on this. I will say in addition to all of the defensive work we are doing, we are working actively um, right to build the future that we want to see in Texas. And we know that we're not, we can't just be fighting against the bad bills and against what we don't want, but we really have to lay out a vision for a future for the future we want. And so we do have a whole other set of bills that we're working on. Um, one called the Free Choice of Provider Act that would actually rescind all of the restrictions that are currently in place that prevent Planned Parenthood from participating in things like the breast and cervical cancer program and the state family planning programs, the Healthy Texas Women program. You know, we would really like to see a Texas where every Texan, regardless of income, immigration status, sexual orientation, gender identity, um, income level, geography, could access the health care they truly need from the provider that they trust most. Um, in addition, oh, and that bill, I really love that bill. It's historic, not only because it's the first time we filed it, but because the authors of the bill, Representative Ramos from the Dallas area and Senator Eckhart from the Austin area, they themselves are former Planned Parenthood patients. Um, and so having Planned Parenthood patients filing historic legislation for Planned Parenthood patients um, is right the narrative that we're talking about. 
lots of people rely on this type of health care, and it was it was so important to their own personal journeys that eventually got them to the legislature, and it is so important for many other Texans who need this health care um, so they can truly realize right their best their best healthy selves. Um, and then we're also working on another bill um, in coalition with our other great partners at organizations like Aval, formerly Nero Poetry's Texas, Texas Freedom Network, Progress Texas, Deeds Not Words, uh, Lilla Fund, uh, T Fund, many of the organizations that um, you know, people in our movement love and support. And that bill is called the Abortion is Healthcare Act. And that bill would actually rescind uh, about a dozen restrictions that currently exist on abortion access that we talked about. Mandatory sonogram, 24-hour waiting period, the state's mandated misinformation. And so all of those are about laying the groundwork in the legislature with our supporters and in broader communities to bring people into this fight um, to really lay out the vision for the, the Texas we really want to see in the future. And we're starting that work on now. We know it's a we know it's a marathon, not a sprint. So we've got a long way to go, but there are incredibly dedicated advocates and organizations that we're a part of the same ecosystem with them um, that are really committed to this long-term work. And I think we are, you know, substantially changing the narrative around uh, reproductive health care and abortion access. And so there are some good things on the horizon. We are working with lots of great partners to move those things forward. And I know with um, you know the support of the majority of Texans who are with us and do believe access to abortion should be safe and legal, that we'll, um, you know, in the near-ish future, we'll be uh, seeing some significant changes, both in the makeup of the legislature and in the public policies that they're putting out. Ms. Diana Limon Mercado, Executive Director of Planned Parenthood Texas Votes. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you so much for having me today. It was a great conversation. All right, look, um, please, if you're just joining us, please remember to go ahead and click that join button to become a part of our PDR Posse. Being a part of our PDR Posse, you help us continue to do what we need to do, which is put out our message out there. Uh, we cannot, we cannot do this without you. Without you, we are Done. So please go ahead and consider hitting that join button and becoming a member of the PDR Posse. Uh, likewise, you can consider purchasing one of our cups uh, designed by one of our PDR Posse leaders, Bridge MCP. And that's what you're seeing on the screen right now. And how can you get that cup? You can get that cup by going to this link that I've just placed in the field. Please consider going to that link. That is another way of helping us become a more fulfilling, independent media organization. How else can you help us? You can help us by purchasing our books. And how do you purchase our books? You can go and get the one that you see on screen. It's worth it how to, it's worth it how to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors by clicking on the link that I just, the Amazon link I just placed here. But if you want to get rid of the middle person, you can get all of our books. You can get our T-shirts, our sweats, our hoodies, everything at the link politicsandright.com slash store, politicsandright.com slash store. Alternatively, you can also go ahead and become a patron. Patron is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. So you can go ahead and go to politicsdoneright.com slash patron, politicsdoneright.com slash patron, spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, or you can support us via PayPal. How do you do it via PayPal? Politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal, politicsdoneright.com slash 
PayPal. Okay, I hope you enjoyed the interview that we had with Diana Limon Mercado. Uh, she is the director of Planned Parenthood Votes, very important, our ancillary organization that's out there doing the necessary work to make sure the Texas legi and does the right thing by the women and men of Texas. Anyhow, let's go ahead and go to the screen. You know, um, people, I, I hate to keep talking about this, but sometimes we have to show example. Where is the uh, book to reason with radical viewpoint, whether left or right? Where is the book to reason with radical viewpoint, whether left or right? I suggest you get my book. It's worth it, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors. Egberto Willis from Julie, maybe why she didn't get back to you. I know, I think that's probably the problem. Georgia Fort was shot in the ankle by a rubber bullet. Yeah, uh, you know, she did get back with me, and then I answered, but I hadn't heard back after I answered. So I think you, you're, you're probably right on that. Okay, what I want to show you guys is this, right? Sean King is, uh, you know, he used to do some work at at uh, Daily Coast, and he's now working, f I don't know if he's just solely by himself or what, but I want to show you something, because, I, you know, there, when I just started doing this, which is several years, over 10 years ago, I specifically didn't talk about racial issues, and the reason why is I didn't want to be identified as a blogger, vlogger, radio show host, media host, as a black media host, black, all of that kind of stuff. I wanted to be a host, which I, I, I've earned my bona fides in doing that. So now I'm more comfortable talking the race issues, right? And Sean King, you know, it, it is hard sometimes, including with some of my conservatives here, who always seem to make excuses when something happens. You know, we call out the cops for the way they manhandle people of color. They say, well, more whites get arrested than blacks, etc., etc., etc. So, um, what you find out is that they are not being objective. They are allowing their gullibility to those programming them from the right to slip through. I want to show you this that uh, was put out today by Sean King. And then let's take it on the other side. Uh, let, let me get it on the screen, and then we'll put it out on Sean King. Oh. Oh. Oh, my God. <gasps> Talk. Oh, hell no. Oh. The cop is on there! Oh. Oh. Oh, my God. <gasps> Talk. Oh, hell no. Oh. The cop is on there! Oh. All right, uh, let, me, let me stop that now and tell you what's going on there. There's this, this stop. There's this guy in the store uh, let me i tell you what let me just read what sean king wrote he said the following this was yesterday and in in, in minnesota of all places and yes this is real this white man refused to wear a mask at a grocery store he then assaulted an employee got in his truck with police hanging on hit the officer in the face with a hammer and sped off again this is Sean King talking. Again, I'm not begging for this white man to be killed, but either you kill him 
and kill black people or don't kill him and don't kill black people. Because what we have right now is them not killing him and killing black people who don't do anything like this. In fact, me and Lee Merritt Eskew had a case kind of like this with a black man. Of course, they killed him. They killed him. When this same occurrence occurred with a black man, he was killed. Now compare this to Philando Castile in Minnesota or Dante Wright in Minnesota. Again, people are being asked to accept too much injustice. Again, this is not about training. They keep wanting to make this about training. They know how to avoid violence. They did it here where this guy could have been shot immediately. Look at what he did. They know how to avoid violence. But they just choose to use those skills with white people. Um, you know, it, it, it pains one to have to say that. But that is obvious. Uh, Dante just jumped in his car and was trying to get away. And he was blown away. This guy hit the officer. This guy actually fought the officer. This guy assaulted the officer. And he lived to tell about it. I did videos years ago where a guy broke a bottle and fronted the officer with that. Uh, Mike Cisak, what does it have to do that it was a black cop trying to arrest Dante when it was a white officer who killed him? What is your point about a black officer attempting to arrest Dante? It was a black officer being trained by her. But let's go a little bit further. That doesn't matter. I've already spoken about what black officers who are in the police force do. They go into the black communities and many times they are worse than the white officers. It is, it, it is almost a, it is like they want to prove something to their brothers in blue. So please, please, don't tell, don't, I, I don't know what you were attempting to say there, uh, um, please let me know. Maywood says, today right now marks two weeks point since my second dose of the Moderna. I'm officially fully vaccinated. Congratulations, Maywood. Congratulations. Congratulations. All right. Uh, so let's see. Dante had a gun in his seat. Uh, they claim Dante had no gun. And even if Dante had a gun in his seat, did he make an... Uh, look, again, Mike, I want you to ask yourself the question. Why do you feel the necessity to find a reason why it was justified for them to kill this guy? Was it justified for them to kill the man I just showed you on the screen? Again, ask yourself this question, Mike. Why do you always try to find a rationale for killing a person of color when cops do it? When they try their utter best not to do it with others? Again, the stats are irrefutable. Irrefutable. All right, let's see. You're putting out the facts. That's the problem. I am putting out the facts, sir. I am putting out the facts. There was no gun in the seat. Thank you very much. Uh, Jan, uh, Julie Van Astel, Mike Sika, that's not true. Duante Wright was unarmed. And it, it's in a report to it's unarmed. I don't know why. I don't know where Mike Sisek is getting his information from, you know. And again, it's, it, it's horrendous to come out and do that, Mike. 
Why would you do that? We know the fact still doesn't matter. <laughs> and you know, um, when, at Daily Coast, when I posted the story um, about that we did yesterday about um, talking to people on the right, a few people castigated me and they said, no, it, it just doesn't work. To which I always say, well, you have to, you still have to try. Uh, the stats are that blacks are six times more likely to kill people than whites. Mm, 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 mm. Um, I am not going to justify that, that, that statement there because, again, that was put through the racial prism. It was not put through the socioeconomic prison. It wasn't put through any of those issues. All right, Michael Rudnick says, pardon long one, save for next time. No, I'm going to do it now. Dave Pacman at 645. This is a really common thing that people on the right who know enough to know that they don't really know have the facts, but they also have those rhetorical crutches they can put their weight on, like turning something back on other person, and then we get one of the toughest problems that we're dealing with. Disagreements about that, what facts are. I've made this distinction, and it's really important one to understand. We're not experiencing disagreements about what facts are. We have had that forever. We are having a problem of lots of people don't know what type of statement is a statement of fact and what type of statement is a statement of opinion. Much of right-wing media is built on the fact that their audience doesn't know the difference. A huge portion of this country, particularly in the American right, doesn't understand that not all statements can be reduced to we have a different set of equally valid beliefs. They are, not, they are knowable facts and there are opinions, but tons of Americans don't know how to categorize those statements. And there are really no easy recovery with that. I know it's like a broken record at this point. It goes back to education, media literacy, critical thinking, things we have to start teaching around age 11 or 12. That is prescient. And yes, it is true. I was talking to, I interviewed somebody a few weeks ago, and we did talk about critical thinking. One of the things you have with the people like Mike Cisak is the inability to have critical thought. Uh, they, 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 they run from the hip, they run, the, the right tells them something and they try to justify it and, and they try to conform, confirm those items. That's what they do. And that is, uh, well, the reason I had to read that one, Mike, is that it fit exactly into what we're talking about and it was prescient. So we had to do it. Um, it, it Mike Cisak just lied to us and then he turns around and says, uh, there you go, denial of reality. So we know that if you read the police report, there's no gun in the car. You know, if there was a gun in the car, that would be all over the news. And why would it be all over the news? Because just like the police chief attempted to protect this woman by saying he thought it was accidental as opposed to an assassination, a chip, a, you know, a notch on her gun for killing you know what, uh, they, they want to find a reason to do shame, but you know what can you say? Okay, Maywood says, uh, okay, May answered him. Uh, uh, Eric Hayes, all, actually both sides are biased and are pushed to convince perspectives. If, you know, there's, we, we are on the left use a phrase that says, truth has a left bias. And that's the truth, right? Truth has a left bias. Uh, you can't get somebody on the right to tell you that it is impossible for uh, here to be less expensive than 
Medicare for all. Because they look at that through an ideological prism. But truth in that respect has a completely left bias. It is impossible for a multi-tier healthcare system to be less expensive than a single healthcare system. It's a mathematical impossibility. But, or it's a mathematical impossibility that profit isn't an expense in areas of social solutions. It's an impossibility. But you won't hear people on the right, they use all kind of fancy words. The reason they have to clip it immediately is people are going to find out that having us remove profit from a lot of things that are a necessity to us all makes more sense than anything else. But if people start to realize that they've been conned, if people realize that they've been conned into believing that we should turn every part of our society, every part of our lives into a product that can be monetized with a profit motive, a lot, a lot of wealthy people who have abused you would no longer be able to do so. It's that simple, right? All right, Charlie Lindahl says, uh, throw a rock at another person one foot away, see if it hits that person. It is that proves gravity? No, alternate fact. Egberto, can we be more openly honest in addressing thing a thing? The root of the problem is that people from the top, such as police, union, prosecutors, governors, mayors, DA, corporations who behind the science acting these cops to do exactly that. That's the reason why they protect them. Um, there's a lot. There's a, a woman, Brittany. Uh, Brittany. Uh, what's her last name? Uh, Brittany. I had her on yesterday. She made similar to that. Uh, Norman Reynolds, Mike, we each need to check our anchoring bias. Try being aware of your own when you get new data. Uh, Bridge then says, uh, Mike, denial is not on Egberto. It's on you. You are not seeing the bigger picture, the huge big picture. This isn't just recently. This has this last couple of years. It's friggin' hundreds of years. Thank you very much, Bridge. You get it. Uh, Mike says, Mary Wood, sorry, but criminal stats from all countries around the world hold the same rates, some with even higher murder rates. Um, <laughs> let me tell you, I, I'm going to give you something, okay? Murder doesn't have a race, a, a, and I don't even got to say a race bias because race is a silly thing. Race is a very silly thing because that I am dark and that uh, Mike Cisek is white. Genetically speaking, Mike Cisek and I could be a lot more similar than Mike Cisek and his cousin. We could be genetically more similar than Mike Cisek and his cousin. But he continues to fall into the, into the most stupid thing possible that tries to isolate a racial component to crime as opposed to social economic components to crime. So if we were to wanted to say which if we wanted to say which hue, which color has murdered the most people in history, right? Which color is more predisposed to murder? What would we have to say? I mean, for all the if, if, let's look at America alone. For all the slaves that were murdered by, not black people, 
but they were murdered in the hundreds of thousands, the millions. For all the native people that were murdered by those advancing armies taking their property, we don't add that into those numbers you're talking about when you say, oh, blacks are six times more likely to kill than whites, right? Okay, let's see. What were the conquerors killing for? To take away the property of somebody else and to get rid of them. What are the socioeconomically deprived black folk that are killing, killing for again? Or, oh, to take away the property. Please explain the difference. It gets silly for us to do these things, right? No race has a preponderance to kill. No race has a predisposition to kill. Race is not a real thing. Color, hue, pigmentation does not tell what you are going to do. But if we wanted to put numbers, current numbers, and let's say we wanted to start from the year 1400 to see what was the color of people who have killed the most around the world. You won't pretty much like the answer to that, Michael Cisak. The good thing about those of us of color is we are not stereotyping all the killing done in the name of the crown, all the killing done in all these names of people who look like you, Mike Cisak. We never decided to blame those killings on you, and those killings were systemic. So please, and I want all, you know, a lot of times they like to use those numbers, the right use numbers like that to put it out. And, and those numbers, a lot of white, my white brothers and sisters hold on to those numbers and it, it puts the fear of them. Those people are predisposed to kill. No. There's a small amount of people that are predisposed to kill. And if we want to look at the killers around the world, they mostly look like Mike Sisek. Because the nuclear bomb, when it was dropped, when it was this, who the, the person that designed it looked like Mike Sisek. The person who dropped it looked like Mike Sisek. The person who annihilated the Native Americans looked like Mike Sisek. The persons who went to South America and destroyed all the living Natives looked like Mike Sisek. CSEC, don't dare talk about any other race, or I don't want to use race, I don't believe in race, any other color having a preponderance to murder. Because if you look in the mirror, you are looking at that person whose color has done the most killing over the last 500 years. So, sir, before you start making those comments, Please read. Please enjoy reading. It is helpful. Eric Hayes says, Egberto, why do you attack people that have money and basically make them all look evil? What about the philanthropist that gives billions that are taking advantage of others? Okay, let's look at this. Mike, I, w I want to show you how bad they make us, how, how enslaved they have put our minds. Listen to what Ma Eric Hayes just said. Egberto, why do you attack people that have money and basically make them all look evil? All right, let's stop there. This is going, and, and this is when I tell you they have enslaved our minds. If 
Eric Hayes is a rich person. But how did Eric Hayes get rich? He developed a product. And he hired a lot of people to do the research. He hired a lot of people to do all these things. He developed the product. A lot of people buy the product. And he made all this money off the product, right? And that made him very rich. And he says, that's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It only made him rich because the way our economic system was designed, he was able to take advantage of the what we call the excess labor of everybody else. In other words... I ask you to do something for me. I pay you less than what you're worth, and that's my profit. I pay everybody less than what they worth, and that's my profit. I am not saying profit is wrong. I'm saying excessive profit is, and there should be a limit to keep the economy going. What, he's, what he is believing is the following. If I rob you blind, if I come into your community, and I take all the money out of it, and then I drive in later on with a, in a horse and I say, I'm going to give you $50. I'm going to give you $100. I robbed it all from you. I stole it all from you. And then I decide to look nice and start giving it back to you. That's why when that black guy who went into Morehouse and he paid off 400, 400 medical scholarships, he paid it in full. That's probably two, dollars $300,000 for each of them, right? And all the people were happy. Black people, everybody, happy. Look at that great thing he did. And I said, stop. Where did that money that he used to pay off those medical loans for those black kids come from? Did it come from gentrification in the Bronx and gentrification in all these other parts where they kicked out a lot of black people who owned all that land? Is that where it came from? Did it come from maximizing his wealth from hurting other people? Then you're, that's the argument that we have to unenslaved our minds. I don't envy wealth. I don't envy people making a lot of money. I don't. But there has to be a limit. We have to have an economic system that limits the amount of wealth because we have to come to the acknowledgement that everything that I, I, everything that I do that I'm able to use this microphone, that I'm able to use this camera, that I'm able to use all these, these mixers, etc., right? I purchase all these mixers and so forth at a fixed price. Those of you who are supporters support my well-being, my living to be able to do this. It's not something that makes you a lot of money. But let's say I started to sell a million books and made a lot of money. What do you think I'm going to do with that? Go bank it and throw it away. I'm going to live into, I am going to live into the things that I believe in. Give it away. Why? Because I understand the following. I am, I am, I am taking advantage, not you know, of everything others have done. The person who designed the mixer that's long gone. The person who designed the LCD LEDs that's long gone. So to think that. Now I can make all the money of the spoil and, and, and gouge it all and it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. You have to change your frame of thinking because that frame of thinking is what gives us inequality because I will be able to hoard money. When I had Willie's Computer Software Company, I was in the position to hoard. It's not until I saw the light that I said, that isn't how a society is run. And then I live by example. So 
Uh, Eric, that is that is a poor way of thinking, and it's not. And, and you missed the point. Uh, Deborah John, Egberto, why do you continue to give the man your over divided? That exactly what he wants, trying to get a reaction out of you, because well, we'll talk about that later. Bridge MCP, we can start with Christian Crusades. Thank you. Uh, Jessica, it happened again. Nineteen-year-old killed by police. Breaking news. Oh my God! I got to check it out. Um, race is a made-up term. Thank you. E two two four seven. Uh, Michael Rundin, most of our wars were waged for strategic interests and resources. Our foreign policy has been absolutely consistent for decades. Our ideas of spreading democracy was just sloganary. You're a genius. Uh, Mike says, when the race of the offender was known, 54.2% were black or African, 43% were white, and 2.6% were other races. <laughs> FBI. Remember BS in, BS out. And, but I won't go there. Jessica, that was last month. Chicago released the body camera video. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, re- continue. Great. I text the duck that quacks. Truman was a white guy. Uh, exactly. And how many people did he kill that one, one guy? Jessica Taylor, I just saw Broken by Society. People need to simply show compassion for humanity. God, I'm with you, Jessica. Uh, Mike, this is wrong. Murder victims, not offenders, too. Of the murder victims of whom race was known, 51.9% were black or African-American, 40% white, 3% was race. Thank you, Bridge. Okay, let's see. Mike Cisak, Bridge, my link is of the offenders. Bridge, make Mike, I just followed your link. Hayes, it doesn't matter if he does good with, isn't that supposed to stand for something? We all have a choice in life. No, it does not. It's not that simple. I'd say wealth is excess of 10 millions is more than any person could need. Wealth is in excess of 10 millions. You would probably screw others to make the money. Exactly. That, that is just a fact. Michael okay, I scrolled down my bad. Egberto, you should ask, Debra John, you should ask that man why Trump Republicans label immigrants as rapists because they're racist. That's the reason why. Julian Van Astel, uh, that's a private communication. Egberto, just so close-minded. Really? I, Eric Hayes says, you always take something and twist it and you want to take from others no matter what the cost. Why you assume people take advantage of others is twisted and just not true. It is absolutely true. It is just done in an antiseptic manner. We don't do it thinking we're doing it, but we are. And of course there are good people in the world. Like I've always said, most people are good people. Uh, you have a poor way in this case. I don't think so. I, I, I really don't think so. I, I think, I, I think you're, you're looking through the wrong prism. Janet Duffy Graver, I've never envied wealth. Yes, I wanted to live without constant worry. However, I would never be happy without giving back. To the gluttony, rich is just wrong. You've, Janet, beautiful thought, and you're absolutely right. Eric Hayes, I don't know what that means. Julie Van Asela, I'll never be rich because I give it all away. Drives my husband nuts. But you know what? It feels good. Um, you know, all through my life, even as I had uh, Willie's Computer Software Company, people always knew, ah, if I'm in trouble or whatever, yeah, no problem. I'm, we're there for you. You know, it's a different mindset. It's a completely different mindset. But anyway, we've got to get out of here. I want to thank you all for listening to me today. Uh, please consider supporting us, as I said. Uh, please go ahead and get my book at Amazon. I just put the link in there. Uh, you can also go ahead and get it at our store. I'm putting the store in there where you can get not only our book, but quite a bit more. Uh, let's see. Um, you can support us at Patreon, politicsandright.com, politicsandright.com slash Patreon. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Or you can support us at PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. Thank you so kindly for having been here. We'll be here tomorrow as well. You guys have a wonderful rest of the day. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I get out of here, but I am out.
We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.